host of the Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Bird. Hey, hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And in this episode, I want to talk to you about the clues and the evidence that afterlife exists. Okay, now, firstly, I have to be honest and I have to admit that the inspiration for this episode came from one of my local priests, a Roman Catholic priest, okay? Now, don't worry, don't switch off. This isn't about religion at all, okay? Those of you who know me know that my religion is very important to me, but I will not push it on anyone, okay? I get that it's a very personal thing, okay? But I do want to um, admit or note that um, the inspiration for this episode came from our local priest, Father Vincent Stapleton, okay, or as we call him, Father Vinny in Thurless. Um, Those of you in Ireland may know him as the Hurling Priest, okay. He has been featured on television uh, many times as the Hurling Priest because even after he was ordained, he still played um, in a local county team. Anyway, Father Vinny talked in his homily on Easter Sunday. So at the time of releasing this, we're just past Easter. So at Mass on Easter Sunday, he talked about treating our religion like a murder mystery suspense book. Okay, and he talked about how authors of suspense books, they drop little clues throughout the book to allow us to figure out the mystery by ourselves if we are so inclined to do so. You know, if we're um, curious enough, I guess. So in explaining this, okay, Father Vinny encouraged us to look at the clues and the evidence of the existence, death and resurrection of Jesus and to make up our own minds about whether or not it's true. And he suggested that many people push the belief away despite so much evidence to the contrary. And he pointed out that there is actually more evidence as to the existence and life, and of course death of Jesus, than there is for Julius Caesar. And yet we don't question the existence of Julius Caesar, okay? Anyway, listening to him in the homily got me thinking, okay? And you know, if Father, by any chance, Father Vinny ever hears this, which he probably won't, um, I will admit that my mind started to wander at this point, okay? Um, I do apologize for that. But being the person that I am, okay, I started to apply this thinking to the existence of a life after death and the evidence that we have to prove that life does exist after death even though many people dismiss it out of hand. 
and label me and other mediums and spiritualist people. They label us as nut jobs, okay? Now, I can live with the label. I, you know, it doesn't change my life in any way, shape or form. So I can live with that, okay? Now, to be clear, okay, that's where my talk about religion ends. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to push religion here. And I'm not just talking about the Bible either. Okay, because, you know, I think that's a poor argument, to be fair. Even as a Catholic, I feel that bringing the Bible into stuff is a poor um, argument because we can find evidence for anything that we want to find in the Bible. Okay, we can prove or disprove any point by referencing any passage from the Bible. You know, people often tell me, and believe me, I get a lot of messages, (laughs) um, but they tell me that I'm not actually talking to loved ones who have passed that I'm actually talking to demons, okay? Uh, Because it says that somewhere in the Bible and it says that you shouldn't go to, you know, fortune tellers or whatever the equivalent was back in the day. But at the same time, they neglect to acknowledge the fact that during the transfiguration of Jesus, that Moses and Elijah both appeared on the mountain. Moses, who had lived 1300 years before Jesus was born, okay? So this was an example, a well-witnessed example of Jesus talking to someone from the afterlife, okay? So because of this, I don't believe that the Bible is proof of anything really. It's simply a record of people's experiences, okay? Which in itself is totally interesting. I love hearing about people's experiences, but it might not give you the proof that you need, okay? What I actually want to talk about is the evidence that's around us that life does indeed exist after physical death and the clues and evidence that our loved ones give us to show us that they live on, okay? So I want to list a few things that we can take as clues that we're not really mad, okay? Um, I will though say that in presenting these clues as evidence that there is more than just this earthly life, I ask you to make your own mind up as to whether it exists or not, okay? Because as a medium, all I can do is present evidence, okay? I'm not a detective. I'm not going to be making a case for you. That's for you to work out for yourself, okay? I'll further point out that I'm not going to be talking about specific experiences here, okay? I'm not going to be telling you people's stories. And I'm not going to be talking about the ones that we always talk about, you know, the messages we received, the signs, the information that came through in a reading. You know, they're things we talk about every week. Okay, so here I want to give you six non-religious reasons why we should give some belief into a life after death, even if we haven't experienced it ourselves. Okay, so number one and I've talked about this over the last few weeks, is near-death experiences, okay? So as I said, recently I did two episodes. If you haven't heard them, they're episodes 82 and 83, where I talked about near-death experiences. And I even spoke to Nicole Kerr, who had a near-death experience following a car crash when she was just 19 years old, okay? So while evidence of life after death, it's very subjective and it's arguable and it's dismissed by some scientists and medical professionals, but we still have so many independent accounts of people's experiences of the afterlife, okay? 
And there are more than 60 million documented cases of near-death experiences, okay? Now, some of these go back thousands of years, and I did recount some of these experiences, which were documented by Socrates and Plutarch in episode 82, okay? So I'm not going to go into them again here. However, the fact that cases of life after death were being recounted and documented hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus shows that this isn't a new fad, okay? But it's something that we can actually take as evidence that physical death is not the end of our existence, but it's the beginning of yet another journey, okay? So don't see death as the end. And, you know, I say that and it always makes me laugh, you know, um, because I love the film The Mummy. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the film The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. And it's about, you know, they go digging in, you know, um, on a, what you call it, <laughs> pyramids, and they find the mummy. But anyway, one of the, the tagline, I think, from the movie is death is just the beginning. And it's so true. Okay. So the second thing I want to mention is our historical beliefs, okay? And, you know, this may be a little bit like the near-death experiences that I've just already talked about, okay, because these are documented and going back. But if we look back at ancient civilizations, there does seem to have been a belief in a life after death, you know, and nobody needed to have it proven to them. It was just widely accepted and people were sent to their graves with everything they needed to set themselves up in the afterlife, okay? And again, we just need to look at the Egyptian pyramids to see this evidence, okay? And this is going back to a day before 24-hour news channels or the internet, and even back to a time before the working man could read, okay? Um, you know, <sighs> we have so many, um, you know, even in more recent history, you know, there used to be the thing where you would cover the eyes with, you know, pennies to pay the boatman to take you to, you know, the next world. Um, people were buried with things that they might need in the next world. You know, even like the Vikings and, you know, Roman warriors and that, they all believed, you know, that following a battle that they would all have their tea or their dinner that night, um, you know, in the afterlife or Valhalla as the Vikings used to call it you know so there's you know we're the first I think generation really maybe not generation but civilization if you like that you know doubts it everybody else just accepted it and we we know this you know just by looking back even at cavemen drawings the drawings in the in the um the, the Egyptian pyramids you know people drew about these things they documented about, you know, afterlife experiences. They d documented about their beliefs and they weren't questioned. They were just accepted. Okay. So um, are we to believe that the pharaohs, you know, the ones that built pyramids that modern day engineers find it difficult to explain, you know, were they so deluded that they accepted this as normal? You know, they were well above their time or before their time in so many things that we have to really think back and wonder, you know, were they right about this? And, you know, taking all of this into account, uh, we can look at what we as modern day human beings believe, even those who say that they don't believe in life after death. Okay, so even people who don't believe in life after death, 
Okay, everybody talks about the soul leaving the body. And I mean everyone, not just those people who are religious, not just those who are spiritual. I do mean everyone. They talk about the soul leaving the body or people who have been alongside a loved one who passes. They all talk about recognizing the point at which life leaves the body. Okay, that's all the same thing. But by this simple declaration, we acknowledge that the soul or the life force is going somewhere, that it still lives on. Okay, so even if someone tells you they don't believe in an afterlife, just by this one statement, this is an acknowledgement of life after death when they're talking about the soul or the life leaving the body. You know, so underneath there, there is a belief in it. And, you know, so, okay, go a little bit deeper into this. Bear with me, okay? But some of you may have, you know, read um, some work by Deepak Chopra, okay? And he uses the analogy of a house and the space that it occupies, okay? So the space where the house is built, that space existed before the house was built there. So if we take the house as the body and the space that it occupies as the soul, then we can kind of see what he's talking about. Okay, because the body is only there for a certain amount of time as a house will, you know, dilapidate after a certain amount of time too. But the space, the soul space or the earth space where the house was built or where your body occupied, that was always there and will always be there. Okay, building can be destroyed by fire. The space it's occupied will still be there and you can still build another house. Okay, now this does lead on okay, to the whole debate about reincarnation, which I'm not going to go into here, but I think you get my point, okay, um, that if we're talking about the soul or the life force within a body, then we're acknowledging that we believe in more, okay, so people will tell you that they think it's nonsense, but yet they'll acknowledge it at the same time. Number three, energy, okay, now I've said this a million times and I'm going to say it again, we our energy. Life is energy and mediumship is about energy. Everything is about energy. As human beings, we are physical beings, but our bodies are controlled by energy. Okay. You know, in olden times, it was believed that the blood in our body would ebb and flow like the tide. Okay. But ha as science developed, Okay, we became aware that there is an electrical energy in our heart that pumps the blood around our bodies. Okay, and our brain, that's also controlled by a series of electric energies. Okay, now I'm going to be clear here. I'm not pretending to understand it and I can't explain it to you because, you know, I don't know anything about medicine. But we read about it all of the time about the electrical, you know, energy in our brain. And, you know, I had an aunt and an uncle who both passed with brain related issues. My aunt had dementia for some years. And then um, my uncle suffered with Stephen Johnson syndrome. And he kept having these little bleeds on his brain, which shut down his brain little bit by little bit. And, um, you know, the doctors consistently spoke about, you know, the electrical energy and this part of his brain, you know, not getting the energy anymore. And it just shows about, 
you know, how we are energy. It's energy that controls us. And, you know, as human beings, okay, if we forget about, you know, just the electric energy in our heart or our brain or whatever, as human beings, we can control the energy around us. Okay, many of us and a lot of you listening, I know you believe in the power of positive thinking, you know, or you believe that a smile can transform the energy in a room of people. So bearing all of this in mind, we also have a scientific fact that energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transformed. Okay. Um, so when water is boiled, it becomes steam. Okay. Clouds, when they're cooled, they become rain. Food, when composted, becomes fertilizer. You know, seeds that decompose become new plants. Okay. So, you know, I could go on with lots and lots of examples, but I hope you get my drift. Okay. Um, energy is not destroyed. So our physical body might die, might die, but that energy, that soul, that life force, that, you know, the underlying current of energy that made us work, that still lives on. So if we apply the same thinking to life, what happens our life force when the physical body stops? The energy that kept us going can't be destroyed. It can only be transformed. Okay, the question is only to what is it transformed and where does it go? But there is no question but that it's transformed, that it ends up somewhere. Personally, I would argue that it goes to a life after a physical death. Okay. Number four. Okay. I'm going to go all scientific on you here, even though I never studied science. But I'm going to talk about Newton's third law. Okay. And, um, you know, if someone said to me Newton's third law, I probably wouldn't have a clue what they're on about. But we've all heard it. Okay. Because um, Newton's third law says... That for every action in nature, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Okay, so we know that everything has an opposite. Okay, um, in life, there's no up without down. There's no night without day. There's no joy without sadness. You know, everything has an opposite. But what is the opposite of life? Because it's not death. Life and death, you know, they're often quoted together as being exact opposites. But death is a transition. It's not a state of being. Life is a state of being. So technically, the opposite of death is actually birth because birth, death and birth, they're both transitions. OK, so if you bear this in mind, what is the opposite of life? There is no opposite of life. Death is not the opposite. Death is a transition. Life is a state of being. So therefore, you know, bearing Newton's third law in mind, Life, therefore, doesn't have an opposite. Therefore, it's eternal. It's never ending. It's perpetual. It's timeless. It's infinite. It doesn't stop. Never ends. Number five, the lack of an off switch. Okay, I had a good look around my body when I was, when I was writing this. Um, I have no off switch. And, you know, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I love telling the story of Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. OK, I love the story of his experience of death. And if you haven't heard it before, you can Google it. But basically, in his last moments, he looked past his sister. His sister was sitting by his bed and he looked over her shoulder and he just said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. OK, whatever he saw, he was it was so powerful that he exclaimed, wow, three times, okay? 
Now, Steve Jobs made no secret of the fact that he researched and experienced many beliefs and religions in his lifetime, even before his cancer diagnosis. And when he was interviewed for his biography, he spoke to his biographer about his beliefs and the fact that he didn't believe that you could just switch life off. And he's right, isn't he? You can't just turn it off. Okay. And, you know, the presence of an off switch made him nervous. And the whole thought of being able to switch life off and being gone. This is why Steve Jobs did not put an off switch on Apple devices. Okay, and I remember reading about this a long time ago and thinking, I can turn off my Apple phone. I have an Apple phone, but I have to press three buttons to turn it off. Okay, um, you know, there isn't a simple on off switch with Apple devices. And he did that deliberately because, you know, he didn't believe that you can turn off technology. He didn't believe that you can turn off energy. And he said, you know, that's not what it's for. Energy lives on. Life goes on. Things never fully turn off. And I don't know about the rest of you, okay? <laughs> I put myself out there now because I know you're going to call me a nut job. But I can hear things that are on standby, okay? Like if someone's talking to me, I generally don't hear them. <laughs> I have bad hearing, especially when there's background noise. I tend to pick up background noise um, before I hear someone talking to me. So that's, you know, that's why I hate social settings. That's why I became a recluse. Um, because I generally, I, you know, I, I'm in the pub or whatever, and I can't hear what, what someone's saying to me because I hear the background noise first. But when something's on standby, like I've been known to get out of bed at nighttime and come down and plug out the television because I can hear it buzzing on standby and I can't sleep. Okay. Because, you know, we may think something switch off, but the energy is still there. It's still going. And this was Steve Jobs' point. You can't turn off energy. Okay, you can't turn everything off. You can pause things. Okay, you can end part of it. Okay, someone being murdered or dying by suicide or whatever. You know, there's a deliberate choice there to, to stop or to end something. But you don't actually end the life force. You kill the body, but you do not end the life force. If we were supposed to be like that, we would have an on off switch. OK, but we don't. And number six that I'm going to talk about today is experience. OK, and, you know, in my experience, those that tend not to believe in life after death generally have not had any experience of it. Okay, or they haven't had any sign that it exists. But, you know, this is true for everything in life. You know, everything is the sum total of our experience. So, you know, when we're babies inside our mother's wombs, okay, we live what we know. And when we're in there, it's dark. Okay, we automatically get fed. We don't have to do anything for it. Okay, so we don't have to worry about food, where it's coming from. We don't have to cry to let somebody know we're hungry. We get fed. Okay, we can hear muffled sounds from the outside world. Okay, you know, babies have been known to, um, you know, recognize noises. I know with my first um, Donica, he, um, I used to dry my hair with a hairdryer every single day. And when he was born, the only thing that would get him off to sleep was to run a hairdryer because he was so familiar with the sound of the hairdryer. Okay, from when he was in um my womb okay 
And even a baby in the womb feels discomfort, okay, if they're knocked or moved about. Okay, we've seen that, we've all seen, um, you know, scan pictures, you know, with a baby sucking its thumb or, you know, having hiccups or, you know, if there's a bang or a knock or, you know, a doctor's pressing on, you know, the mother's tummy while the baby's in there. We can see them move and react to these things. So my point here is that that's the sum total of that baby's experience of life to date. Therefore, that's their reality. But it's the same even after birth. Okay, we live here on earth, we know life and we know the struggle of life, we know how to feed ourselves when we get hungry, we know how to look after our bodies, we know how to interact with others, because this is what we live every day. But when we open our minds up to the possibility of more, then we begin to experience it, okay? Unfortunately, for most of us, this realization only comes after we lose somebody. Now that's fine and it's very natural. I'm not having a pop at you if you've only just started tuning in to spiritual stuff because you lost somebody, okay? But think about what would that mean to you if you knew this before you lost somebody? You know, would it make it easier for you? You know, is it easier to accept if we know exactly what the person is going through and what the transition would be. I do remember um, when my Aunt Mary passed and um, I was with her. Um, I wasn't with her when she passed. She was um, she lived in London and my son was very young at the time and I only had a week with her and then I had to come back to Ireland. So I had to leave her. And those of you who uh, live away from family, you will understand you know, that too. You know, I knew that I wasn't going to see her again. And it's really hard. And she said to me, you know, what will happen? You know, what would I see? What can I expect? You know, and I told her from my experience and from what Spirit showed me. And it, I could just see the tension leave her. You know, the fact that she knew that she wouldn't be on her own. The fact that she knew that someone would come and welcome her and, you know, help her to make that transition. And that it wouldn't hurt you know, all of those things. So not only does it make it easier for the person who is making the transition, but it can also make it easier for you. You know, the um, the family member, the loved one, okay? And, you know, when we talk to somebody that has experienced a near-death experience, you know, they always talk about living the rest of their lives in a different energy, with a thankfulness or with a gratitude and a realization that they're not just going through the motions every day, but that they're feeding into something that is truly beyond anything that we know or will experience here on earth. Okay, every single person, every single near-death experience that I have read about, they all talk about it having changed their life because their perspective changed. Okay, and by investigating life after death, by embracing it, by opening your mind up to more than what you just see physically around you on a daily basis, you know, you can also raise your vibration and begin to believe in everything else that you're feeding into. Okay, and I think it was episode 27 where I spoke about why spirit watch over us. Um, I can't remember, it was around there anyway, I spoke about, you know, what spirit get by watching over us, 
you know, and I talked about how, you know, they see by watching over us, you know, their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren. So they see the, um, you know, the consequences of their life choices. Okay, so I'm just making something up off the top of my head here. But for example, if you're somebody whose family uh, moved from Ireland to, you know, the United States, say, during the famine, okay, during the 1850s. And, um, you know, they ended up having an amazing life, okay? And, you know, the rest of their family maybe starved to death back in Ireland or whatever. Okay, I'm making this very general. But my point here is that, you know, while that would have been a very hard decision and a very tough thing for anybody to make that choice during, you know, the 1850s, um, by looking down on future generations from the spirit world, okay, that first generation might not necessarily have seen the American dream, as we like to call it. Okay, it might have been two or three generations down the road, but they will be able to see the consequences of that decision and how it affected the future generations. Was it the right thing or was it the wrong thing? Okay, so that's why they watch over us. And people who have had, you know, if you like, dipped their toe, okay, in the afterlife through a near-death experience, they have some, you know, feeling of this. They have some experience of this okay and it changes their perspective on life so that's why our experiences are so important they don't have to be our personal experiences we can learn from other people's experiences as well okay now these are just six things okay i'm sure there's many many more things that i could list here and you know if you have anything you know that you want to put forward as as you know clues or evidence that life exists after death and as I say, we can talk about the signs that we receive and the messages we've received from mediums during readings and stuff. And there are things that I talk about every week. But I wanted to talk about different things in this episode, just so that we're not kind of stuck in the same kind of um, echo chamber, if you like, all of the time. OK, that we can look objectively at the generations that have gone before us and see that this isn't something new. This is a belief that people have had for thousands of years. There may be social media now, and believe me, I get mocked on social media every day. It's like water off a duck's back at this point, okay? I'm gonna believe what I want to believe. Um, You know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, all the generations of my family all had a belief in life after death. And, you know, we have this Irish tradition of storytelling. And, you know, I'm not so old, I'm only in my 40s, but I'm not so old that um, I need to go back to the days when we didn't have electricity um, in our house. But when I was growing up in the 1980s, we just had RTE1 and RTE2. And these channels, we had two channels on our television and these channels used to turn off at like 11 o'clock at night or, you know, maybe even before on a school night. And, you know, we used to sit around the fire and tell stories. And a lot of the time we talked about our experiences with uh, spirit and I'm not just talking about you know my grandmother and my great-grandmother although they had amazing stories um but like I remember a neighbor of ours telling us a story she was in our house one night and telling us a story about her brother who had just passed and that when she had gone to visit the graveyard you know it was it was at dusk and she was walking out of the graveyard after visiting him 
but she could hear his footsteps alongside her. And, you know, he'd had, you know, the way we, we know somebody's footsteps. Okay. And this guy had had, I don't know, had he had polio or something as a young chap. So, you know, there, there was a distinct dragging of, you know, his foot uh, as he walked. And, and she was well aware that this was her brother that walked her out to the gate of the cemetery. Okay. So it was his way of letting her know that he visited, you know, with her. He didn't live there. He could leave the cemetery. But he wanted her to know that he was with her while she was there. Okay, so all of these stories that we talked about, um, you know, in my youth growing up, and you know, I have a tendency to talk um, about these things, you know, when I get together with friends and family now. But it's something that we need to do more. You know, switch off the telly. Let's talk about our experiences, and that's why I'm hoping to get the spiritual community, you know, going on my Discord channel. So if you're a member of the Patreon, if you haven't checked it out, the link is in the description box attached. But I want people to talk about these stories. I want people to talk about their experience of spirituality because we learn from other people's experiences. We can, you know, go into the group and we can talk about, well, you know, this happened last night. What do people think of this? You know, I've done that myself in our Discord group, so I totally get it. Okay. Anyway, I'll stop talking now before I bore you. But I hope that, you know, these things that I've listed here, that it strengthens your belief in an afterlife, okay? I know that if you're listening, you know, that you already have some belief or at least some curiosity. So I know I'm preaching to the converted, but it's nice to have it pointed out for you so that you know that you're not mad like I am, okay? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life After Life, folks. If so, I would be really, really grateful if you would consider leaving a review on Podbean or Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, okay? You don't have to write a review, you can just leave a star rating. I would so appreciate it because it helps more people to discover my little podcast and it also helps me to lure more unsuspecting guests to discuss their afterlife experiences with me. Okay, so until the next episode, I'll say goodbye. And until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything.